Hello everyone and welcome to the voice of Jen Sweet. I'll be your host for this episode, Xavier Pierro. And today I'm happy to be on the call with our good friend from Enesa, Chad Hendel Blackford. Thanks for being here with us today, Chad. You're very welcome, Xavier, and thanks to you and the folks at GenSuite for inviting me along. So can you let our listeners know a little bit more about yourself and what you do for Enesa? Or is it Enesa? How, how do you pronounce that? That's a very good question. Yeah, it is Enhisa. That is the official pronunciation of the, the company name. And it, uh, it, it actually takes the first two letters of the words environment, health and safety. And mm -hmm. uh, what we do as a company is that we help companies all over the world to comply with EHS laws and regulations wherever they operate. So wherever they have a, a factory or a manufacturing site or a office or a warehouse, we can help them out there uh, to identify what they need to do to comply with the law. Um, myself, um, my name is Chiat Hendel Blackford. I'm half British, half Dutch, so I have a, a difficult to pronounce first name. I've been with Enhisa since it, since it started, actually. Um, and I have a, a legal background, so I started off as one of our regulatory analysts and I've uh, done a variety of roles in the company over the past uh, 18 years or so. And today I head up our thought leadership department. So I, I do a legal, our strategic messaging. Um, and it's also what I guess leads me to bring to, to speak with you here today. All right. So I know you're based in France. Is, is Inisa based in Europe, more specifically in France? Uh, absolutely. Uh, actually, we have no uh, formal presence in France. I'm lucky enough mm -hmm. to, to be based in France and I'm home-based. Our headquarters is in Brussels, in Belgium. Okay. We also have an office um, just uh, across the bridge from Washington, D.C., in Virginia. Uh, we also have a, an office that we've just opened in, uh, in Tokyo, and most recently, uh, one in Shanghai, in China. All right. Okay, so Jensuit and Enisa are strategic partners, and, and, and you and me are meeting each other on, on, on the different conferences in, in Europe. On today's episode, we'll be centering our, our conversation about our compliance efforts in Europe and how they also affect us on a global level. Uh, first question, Thierry, how are you able to cover laws and regulations all over the world? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. There is a lot of law and regulation all around the world. We specifically focus just on environmental health and safety law and regulation. And we do that with an in-house team of what we call EHS regulatory analysts. In all honesty, they are lawyers, um, they're uh, attorneys by training, and they come from many, many different countries around the world. So we are a company of around 100 people, but around 75 of us are EHS lawyers representing 40 different countries. So that means that today we have uh, the capability to provide services in over 285 jurisdictions around the world. Um, and when I talk about jurisdictions, I mean mm -hmm. national and federal level regulation. Uh, so, of course, you've got the U.S. federal uh, uh, regulations, but you also have the states. So we also cover all of the, the U.S. states, uh, all of the regions and provinces in other countries around the world where EHS is also regulated. So essentially we do it in-house and our team are continually monitoring uh, what's going on out there in terms of new developments and they're also uh, you know analyzing those developments and putting that into into useful what we call compliance intelligence which we can then share with our clients. Mm -hmm. how, how out of curiosity how not only our jurists can specialize in the EHS domain is there any diploma or, or school that you can go into? Uh, it's a good question. The majority of uh, our 
analysts will have uh, one of either an environmental law specialization or indeed something like sustainability uh, or indeed mm -hmm. health and safety law. Um, it, it tends to be rare that you see a specific courses focused on both. So uh, um, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a combination of those that we have. Okay, so Europe, it's a hot topic at the moment. What are some notable global regulations currently being enforced that you have been to contend with at the moment? Um, it's a, a very good question. Uh, I mean, just to give you some context, so we're just in in the calendar year 2018 so far, so since January of this year, we have published in excess of three and a half thousand reports about changes in EHS law and policy all around the world. And because we, we categorize those reports, so we give them a, a, a we, we structure those according to set topic headings, we're able to look at that and kind of see what, what are the major trends. So uh, today, sort of the, the big global trend, as it were, regardless of region. So everywhere we see law, regulation and policy around climate change related mm -hmm. subjects. So things like uh, air emissions restrictions, ozone, ozone depleting uh, substance uh, restrictions and prohibitions. Is that, is that directly related to, to um, Paris Agreement? Uh, absolutely, that is one of one of the factors. I mean, the Paris Agreement uh, was obviously uh, it's a, it's a year or two old now. And mm -hmm. uh, what we see, for example, in many countries, if we take Latin America, for example, we see there uh, a lot of countries starting to implement broad uh, national policy plans and things like that. So uh, not actual laws as such as yet, but they're putting in the sort of foundations to then um, base laws right. upon those. So yeah, the climate change is, is definitely a big thing that we're seeing and it comes in various forms. There's emissions trading schemes, there's renewable energy um, incentives, there's the, the need to make more energy efficient, energy efficient products, energy efficient processes. So, mm -hmm. and that of course, climate change looks at how we can stop climate change getting worse, but it also looks at how, how we can adapt to those inevitable consequences. So there are uh, certain elements of climate change that we know are going to happen. The temperature of the world is increasing, um, whatever the reasons for that. Uh, and there's uh, certain aspects around sort of flood control, uh, water management, um, emergency preparedness and things like this that are also kind of cropping up in that context. And then uh, that's kind of the, the key environmental trend that we see. Um, and it's been that way for the last two or three years and we see that continuing. Uh, what we also see uh, more from the occupational health and safety side is a lot of um, primarily policy, but a lot of talk around mental health, uh, around uh, preventing harassment at the workplace and also right. reducing stress at the workplace. This is, at the moment, is pretty much driven out of Europe. We are seeing a few things in Asia, uh, in Asia Pacific, so Australia, New Zealand, but also in, in the US. So that's the other thing that I think we'll see uh, uh, carrying on into the, uh, into the future. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> along with global regulations, uh, well, Europe has had its own regulations to contend with, and primarily people think of Brexit. So we do have that big summit coming up in Europe and people are starting to, well, to think about a no deal. How have European clients been responding to Brexit so far? 
<laughs> it's a it's a very timely question. I think today right. uh, the <laughs> the British Prime Minister Theresa May is in uh, Brussels, and I believe mm-hmm. she's giving a press conference around about now. Uh, the rumours are that Europe are playing hardball. They don't want uh, countries to leave the European Union. Right. I can, you can see that from their point of view. They, everyone would just decide to leave, and it would. Well, I'm not sure Britain down. wants to leave anymore. Yeah, that's that's another question. Yeah. <laughs> if uh, if uh, we do get a lot of questions about Brexit, and okay. I think the the and it has I have been getting them for two years. I mean, it's it's, mm-hmm. been, it's a two year saga already um, that we're dealing with, and the overarching theme in the response is is one of confusion. Uh, people don't know what's going to happen still today. Like I said, the negotiations are still ongoing. There are some indications. So if we take, for example, um, REACH, so the, the, yeah. mm-hmm. the REACH regulation around the evaluation, assessment, uh, classification of chemicals, um, this uh, is a Europe-wide regulation. It's been in place for uh, over 10 years now. It's super important to try and regulate chemicals and know what the hazards are and things like that. And what we hear from uh, British industry, as well as from the the European institutions, is that they ideally want to maintain the status quo. So that's a a good sign um, that there will be less uh, uh, turbulence, let's say, in the market. But um, this is the kind of uh, presumption if there is a deal that's reached. If there mm-hmm. is a no deal Brexit, then again, we're back to the confusion. Um, another element that we've we've seen movement on is the emissions trading scheme. So for example, uh, what, the Britain is part of the EU's ETS and they're currently in one of the, uh, the trading phases uh, and both parties have come out and said Britain will remain part of that um, uh, system until the end of the current trading period, which I think brings them to 2020. So again, there there's attempts to sort of calm the waters uh, and keep the status quo going. Um, So yes, there are signs that um, uh, if a deal is reached, it won't be too um, um, tumultuous. But uh, if not, then we're still kind of pretty much in the dark. Okay. Do you see different approaches to how companies manage compliance with, with EHS laws? Could you, could you explain yeah, a bit about that? Absolutely. Um, so we've been we've been doing what we do for a while, approaching 25 years, and like I said, we have a, a, a large office in the US. We have a large presence in Europe, and we're spreading into Asia now. Uh, and in fact, each of those broad general regions, we see different approaches to how companies manage compliance with environmental and health and safety laws. So our our business was actually founded and created um, in the US from a desire for for large multinational companies to to audit their compliance. They were getting Mm -hmm. a lot of fines, there was a lot of enforcement, inspections, and they wanted Mm -hmm. to control that. So they want to carry out audits on their sites uh, and and figure out what's going on um, and obviously then correct uh, the problems resulting from that. That's a very different approach to what we've seen traditionally with Europe headquartered companies. So in Europe, a lot of companies uh, focus on management systems. It's also the case in Asia. And by management systems, I mean the ISO uh, 14001 for environmental management systems. Mm. Um, ISO 45001, it is now, but that uh, is in the- the For the replacement, right? Yeah, it's replacing OSAS 18001 over the next Mm -hmm. uh, 
two and a half years, people have the chance to, to move over or they can adopt 45,001 straight off. And um, those regulation, that approach, the management system approach is a bit more collaborative, a bit more consultative with authorities. So uh, over here in Europe, there's more of a dialogue with the authorities. If, for example, you've exceeded a, an air emission limit or a water discharge limit, um, you'll get a letter from the authority informing you of it informing you of this and giving you the opportunity to correct that uh, non-conformance. Very different in the US, um, you pretty much get sued um, the, mi the minute a non-conformity is detected. So mm -hmm. there's a different approach there. The other element to that is that the management systems, um, uh, the ISO management systems uh, require a, a sort of um, an approach to a, a process for being aware of um, your EHS legal compliance obligations. They don't actually obligate you to, to, to be compliant. They just require that you have a process in place to know which laws mm -hmm. apply, to stay on top of those. It's like a guideline? Absolutely. The ISO standards are voluntary. Mm. Um, there are some countries around the world where they, they require management systems implementation by law. Mm -hmm. Singapore, for example, for, for occupational health and safety. Uh, and there is also evidence that companies that do implement the standards uh, have, a, have achieved good performance in EHS. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, ergo, they also are uh, more competitive in the marketplace. And in fact, uh, many contractual arrangements these days um, require companies to have the management system in place in order to, to bid for, for, for work, to bid for contracts and RFPs and things like that. All right, okay. <clears throat> so I wanted to talk a bit about standards and you already did a bit with ISO. Um, I wanted to ask you how standards uh, help companies achieve compliance. Uh, there's one that I would like to, to know a bit more about. This is legal registers. Could you, could you explain to, to me and our listeners what this is about? Sure. So um, personally, I'm not a fan of the term legal register. Okay. Uh, and I'm, I feel pretty confident I'm backed up by the, the, the actual wording of the management system standards. So in my day-to-day -day work over the past uh, X number of years, pretty much every day will come to, uh, to us, to my company, and will ask us if we uh, produce legal registers. But what's an interesting fact is that none of the management systems that we've referenced, the ISO ones or mm -hmm. OSS, OSS 18001, actually require companies to have a legal so, register. Mm -hmm. the, where does this words, come from? Uh, yeah, it's kind of become a, a de facto term. The, um, the other ISO standards require, obviously, uh, companies to know what laws apply to them and to stay on mm -hmm. top of those as that changed. But the wording in the management systems, particularly the, under the new standardized heading uh, structure that they now have, um, does not actually, it actually goes way beyond what I think has become this uh, standard concept of a legal register. So that the standards today require companies to uh, maintain knowledge and understanding of their compliance status. Now, to me, that is a lot more than just a list of laws. That mm -hmm. is a, a process. It's a process where you need to, of course, know what uh, laws apply to you. But then it's a case of actually evaluating your compliance and having that information ready at hand. So 
Do you find those legal registers everywhere in Europe? Is it something that is managed locally by, by the states or is it on a federal level? So, uh, well, legal registers are a thing that tends to be managed by companies, very mm -hmm. often even only at, at individual site levels. Okay. So that's also an interesting aspect. And again, here I should take a step back and say how we define legal registers can vary from one person to the next. For some people, it's a piece of paper with a list of legal titles on it. Right. Yeah. But for, uh, for others, it's... Uh, Uh, much more ongoing actual uh, process and the risk of the legal register is that it just becomes a tick box exercise so it has mm -hmm. no actual practical benefits for companies who want to actually know how compliant they are or not so what we actually um, see now is that uh, based on what those management systems say based on the traditional two approaches between the US and Europe and also based on the fact that now there is technology like the, the technology that we offer together, um, Jen Sweeten and HESA, that can allow you to, 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 to have a practically useful t tool that can be used at site level, at mm -hmm. regional level, at uh, corporate level. And it does both of those things that we've talked about. It allows you to audit, and it also allows you to uh, evaluate compliance on an ongoing basis. So it's And I actually think that's, that's going to bring a lot of cost savings to companies. And it's actually been um, one of the things they've in, incorporated into the management systems. The new wording is they talk about documented information right now mm -hmm. instead of documentation. So that's acknowledging the fact that there are software solutions out there, uh, technology out there, um, data sources out there that allow you to manage this. So that's, uh, that's I think, going to be quite a fundamental change in how people think of uh, legal registers. Mm -hmm. So compliance can quickly get confusing with both words. Can you think of any common words that you feel that are important to define? <laughs> yeah, uh, well, there's, there's several. Um, we've just talked at length about legal registers. That would be one yep. that I think is, uh, is one that's worth clarifying. And, and we've written about that extensively. Uh, another one is also, you know, compliance gets talked about um, very liberally. Uh, mm -hmm. we're in compliance we do compliance so when I'm talking to compliance when I'm talking to you about compliance today I'm talking about compliance with laws and regulations right. yeah. and I'm talking about uh, compliance with EHS laws and regulations so very specific area uh, the standards also reference other requirements so that might be things like internal corporate standards it may be things like the ISO management system standards So when you talk about compliance, it can mean different things to different people as well. Sure. And another thing I think that's important to, to talk about as well is, um, so I mentioned at the start that Anhesa, we help companies to comply with EHS laws wherever they operate. And when we talk about operations, we're talking about day-to-day -day activities. So keeping your people safe in those factories or warehouses or offices and making sure that you're not polluting the environment in those places either and that is a very different and separate um, area to say product compliance product compliance is when you're actually putting products on the market it may be a tv it may be a mobile phone yep. it may be a, a laptop and the the chemicals you use in that product um, where you place that on the market you may need to have different labels on it that is a very different 
um, area. We also help in that respect, but it's also, I think, a very important distinction uh, to make. So I guess that's another buzzword, um, product compliance versus operational compliance that also uh, needs defining. And then also we hear a lot of talk about content. So um, we are uh, a content, a regulatory content partner to GenSuite, yep. but what mm -hmm, is absolutely. that content? You know, what, what content, again, is a, is a word that can be mean different things to different people. From our perspective, the content that we deliver is what we call regulatory compliance intelligence. So we aren't just extracting the, the full text of a law and giving it to you and saying, good luck. That's uh, yeah. kind of, def you know, that is that is a form of content. It is the content of the law. But we are, we are adding in there an analysis or an intelligence element. That's your value. Exactly. So the analysts are going through, they're extracting. You may have 40 articles in a law. Right. That's great, wonderful. 35 of them may, you, may be procedural. They may just be cross-referencing. Mm -hmm. They're not actually telling you what you specifically need to do. And it's those five articles that do tell you what to do that you really need to know about. So we translate those into clear, uh, standardized uh, uh, language and structure that in a way that we can then um, um, deliver that information that's useful to clients to compile a register of laws and then uh, evaluate compliance right. with those. So that's the content you're providing to your subscriber, right? Yes. That's what you would be calling content. That's the, that's the content that, that we um, deliver. I mean, we also absolutely give clients access to the full legal text, but the, the content we're talking about is, is another notch or two above that. Sure, yeah. Well, how does Inisa's partnership with GenSuite help your subscribers? Let's say that, okay, you extracted five articles relevant for, for your customer for, from those 40, and, and how, how GenSuite could, could help starting from there. Yeah, so we have a, a long-standing partner with GenSuite. We have right. a number yeah. of uh, mutual clients, and uh, we have a, a full integration with GenSuite as well, which means that the capabilities that we offer ourselves, but which are only limited to EHS compliance, are also offered by, by GenSuite. So um, obviously GenSuite do a lot more uh, around EHS than we do. just compliance. So, uh, and I'm sure you'll, you're able to talk at length about that. And <laughs> if people want to find out more about that, they can, they yeah. can check you guys That'd out. Be a bit long, yeah. But um, we're very much, we're not styling ourselves as, as, a, as, a, as a software company. We do one thing and that is the legal compliance and we do it very well. So we bring to the partnership with GenSuite, you know, we are the, the market leader in what we do. So we bring you that market leading um, partnership. Um, and of course you um, have that multitude of uh, modules and offerings. So for, for, for our mutual clients, they are also able to leverage those uh, and to use um, uh, our content um, within um, your module. Mm -hmm. And I believe today we've, we feed into your reg auditor module. Yeah, think, yeah two, two values, reg auditor, reg tracker, absolutely. And that's, uh, you know, those, those modules enable you to uh, carry out an applicability screening, so which, mm -hmm. which laws apply um, to a given site or location, uh, and then absolutely to, to meet both the needs of a legal register and an audit program, so to do both of those things at once. Um, so obviously that brings value because uh, what, you, what we've often found is that uh, uh, an individual site may have its own 
um, solution to comply with yeah. more and corporate mm -hmm. have another. So there's actually great efficiencies to be made to be to, to, to um, group those things together and do both at once. Um, and our partnership, you know, we have, it's a well-oiled partnership. So the, the, the data feed, as it were, that we provide is automated. So it's uh, uh, because of our standardized data, it also then allows you to, to look at um, compliance on a more statistical level as well. Mm -hmm. So where are my issues, uh, which kind of area, which parts of the world am I having problems? So that's another benefit I think that the, the partnership brings. Well, for, just for, for the record, why, I mean, why do customers don't choose your content directly? Why do you think it's important for companies to have a system like ours, GenSuite, for HS compliance and, and management? Uh, well, it goes back to the, uh, the enterprise-wide solution. Companies mm -hmm. uh, increasingly want a solution that uh, caters uh, and covers all the various areas of uh, EHS and often also quality, which I know you guys cover as well. Yep. Um, and they, it makes sense because companies will often have a lot of legacy systems doing all these different things in different locations. In fact, even different parts of the same company will sometimes be using different uh, solutions. So uh, it obviously brings great efficiency um, for EHS in general. Um, for EHS compliance and management, it also allows you to, to look at things like incident and accident tracking, which I know is often one of the most popular things that, that yep, people absolutely. start with, uh, with a solution. Um, so it's all about having that holistic view on uh, EHS as a whole, and that will obviously make it easier for companies right up to the, the sea level to demonstrate value for money, to, to, to make that business case that you're bringing in efficiencies, you're, you're, you're having that positive impact on, on your corporate culture, uh, and that's also um, statistically analyzed with the, the data management capabilities that you have. Right. Well, and with that, we're just about out of time. I want to thank you, Richard, for joining me today, and that the fact you bring your experience and knowledge to, to the conversation. Will you be in Berlin next uh, month for the EHS conference? I will. I look forward to, to seeing you there. Yeah. yeah, we will be there as well. So I'll see, I'll see you there. And I look forward to your year-end episode of The Voice of Gen Suite in December. We'll see you then. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs>